Uh, good morning. You usually do not see me come up here with a uh, coffee thing or whatever. There's not coffee in there. I, I'm not a coffee person. I, I love the smell of it, but I do not like the taste of it. Uh, but there's some hot tea in there. As you can tell, I'm continuing to go through puberty. And... Uh, <laughs> And so we're trying to break through this. I'm, I'm, uh, I feel great. I just don't have a very good voice. I've told people that I'm sort of going with more of a Marvin Gaye uh, projection today or perhaps even Luther Vindross. I, I don't know, but, uh, but it's going to be pretty deep. Um, and uh, hopefully you'll make it through. And uh, we're good with that. All right. So this week or, th- or today, actually, we start a new series called Courageous Hope. And we're taking a look at this, and, and then we're, as we talk about Courageous Hope, we're looking at this book called Joshua. And so often we forget <clears throat> about the hope that we need to have each and every day of our lives. And sometimes in the midst of that, we experience different things that, that discourage us, that perhaps raise up fear. But, but last week, at, as we were, had Vision Sunday, I talked to you about the fact that the theme for 2020 is going to be living hope that we have this hope in Jesus Christ because of what he's done. And, and, and we're going to witness that and see how that hope plays such a vibrant part of the book of Joshua. And so I invite you to go there now. We're going to read the entire chapter, uh, chapter 1 of Joshua. And you can scroll there on your phone, or, or if you're looking at the pew, at the Bible in the rack in front of you, turn to page 178. And again, if you need a Bible, feel free to take that, and, uh, and we'll get more. But, but, uh, but we're there. So in Joshua chapter 1, we read these words. After the death of Moses, the servant of Yahweh, Yahweh said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you, about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where your foot step, where, where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend, <clears throat> your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As it was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For Yahweh your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land Yahweh your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember, remember the command that Moses, the servant of Yahweh, gave you after he said, Yahweh, your God, will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, ready for battle, 
must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until Yahweh gives them rest, as He has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land Yahweh your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of Yahweh, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will fully obey you. Only may Yahweh your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Father, we pray now as we come into this time of looking at your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will open our eyes that we can see the hope, this courageous hope that you give to your people. That you would open our ears that we can hear about this hope, this courageous hope that is so desperately needed. That you would open our minds so that we can understand what that courageous hope looks like and how we can then live that out. And that you would open our hearts that we would be transformed And many of us, if not all of us, need to be transformed by this amazing hope that is found in Jesus Christ so that we can be strong and courageous, living lives that bring glory to you. And now, Lord, may no one hear anything I say, but may they only hear what it is that you want them to hear and need them to hear. And that you, Lord Jesus, would receive all praise and glory because you are the one who is the living hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we come to this place, and then before we take an in-depth look at at Joshua 1, I want to give you what I call Joshua 101, a a real quick, and I mean very quick, crash course in what to expect out of Joshua. The first is this, is that Joshua's name itself means the Lord is salvation. That's a pretty cool name, by the way. That every time that they say Joshua's name, they're in essence saying, where's your, where's your salvation come from? It comes from the Lord because he is my salvation. An interesting thing on top of that is this, is that Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Savior, had the same name. So growing up, perhaps as, as, as Jesus is running around, perhaps Mary and Joseph say to him, Josh, get in here. You ever think about that? His name was Joshua. And so it's, it's a really cool thing. So you have that type of a connection here. And then on top of that, I want you to know this. As we read through the book of Joshua, one of uh, this guy that, I, that I, uh, I'm using his commentary said this, and I, and I thought it was so spot on. He says, there is an air of joyful optimism. It pervades the book of Joshua. There's this air of optimism. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to read through a number of books of the Bible and you sit there going, where's the hope? Where's this? Where's that? We know the hope is found in in God and in Jesus Christ. But as you read this book, it almost seems to me, and it ties into the the next thing, almost every single chapter seems to be a good news chapter. There always seems to be good news going on. And there's one, there's a blip, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks. But, but every single chapter, there seems to be this good news. Folks, we need that good news. If we are going to live out this living hope that we talked about last week at Vision Sunday, we need that good news. We have an opportunity to proclaim that good news every single day. And so as we walk through this book of Joshua, 
as we walk through it, may we keep that in mind, this courageous hope that we're going to encounter again and again and again. So we come to this place now at verse 1, where we read these words, After the death of Moses, the servant of Yahweh, Yahweh said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Moses is dead. Moses is no longer around. And perhaps for the people of that time, they're thinking, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? But I want you to notice this, that Moses has a title that counts. Moses did all types of different things, but notice how he's referred to in, this, in these first few verses. And not just these first few verses, all throughout this chapter and all throughout the book of Joshua. He has a title that counts, and, and leaders come and go, but one of the things that's important to remember is this, is that God remains involved. Moses did amazing things. He did miraculous things. God used him in marvelous ways. And in the midst of that, we can get all caught up in following Moses. But Moses is gone. But here's who remains. The living God. The living God remains. You look throughout the course of history, leaders come and go, but God remains the same. He's this amazing God. He's this one who takes care of his people all the time. He's constantly moving. He's constantly working. And Moses, and this is one of the things that struck me as I was reading this, is Moses is considered one of the greatest leaders of all time. Consider what he had to go through. Consider that the people were complaining all the time about what's going on and how are they going to get out of this. For 400 years, they're slaves. For 400 years, they're seeing nothing but oppression and things like that. They cry out to Moses. Excuse me. They cry out to Moses and Moses shares up with God. God hears the cries. God responds. He parts the Red Sea, among other things. But here's the title. Look at the title. Moses is known not as the one who parted the Red Sea, not as the one who went face to face with the Pharaoh, not as the one who called down all these ten plagues, Moses is known as a servant. Think about that. He's a servant. Out of all the things that he could have been told, out of all those things that he could have been known for, God says he is a servant. We get really wrapped up, don't we, in titles? We get wrapped up in all these titles. He's this, he's that, or she's this, she's that. We get wrapped up in all these titles, and yet, Moses, of all people, could have been very wrapped up in a title. And yet God says he served. He served. I don't know what all of you do in life, but I want to ask you this question. What's your reputation? What's your reputation? And in the process of that reputation, are you known as a servant? Are you known as one who serves? Are you known as one who gets involved? Are you known as one who's going to be there when things get difficult? That's what Moses did his entire time. And by the way, consider this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the pressure that Joshua had? 
you're following this amazing leader. And God says, it's now your turn. It's now your turn. And so we continue on. We go down to verse 7 and it says this, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep, and I love verse 8, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. We're going to encounter some items that count here. And the first item that counts is this, is, is this, whole, this whole importance of meditating on what is important to God. Let me ask you this right now. Another question for you. What occupies your mind? When you're by yourself, driving down the road or, or wherever, when you're by yourself, what's occupying your mind? What are you meditating on? Are you meditating on, on, on things of this world? Are you meditating on how can you make more money? Are you meditating on the anxieties that this world has? Are you meditating on all that? What are you meditating on? Because what, what God is pointing to here is meditate on me. Notice what he says. He says, keep this book of the law always. Not sometimes. He says always. Always keep it on your lips. Not just on a Sunday morning from 10.30 to noon. Not just on a Thursday night when we have family night here. Not just when you feel like it. But always have it on your minds. The only way is by spending time with Him. That's the way we meditate. That's what we, that's what we need so desperately in our lives. And then he says this, he says, keep this book on, on, on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. I've been, had the privilege of serving in ministry for over 30 years now, and it's been a great experience. It's, I've seen a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, a lot of really ugly things, a lot of phenomenal things. It's been awesome. And I've reached this conclusion that one of the most underrated characteristics of Christ-following people is this. Faithful obedience. Faithful obedience. It's underrated. It's underrated because it sounds, frankly, when I ask people, hey, about obedience or whatever, sounds so often people say, man, that sounds boring. I want to be my own person. I want to call the shots. This past Wednesday, when I uh, and and I go to prison every Wednesday to to do some teaching there, and I the the we're having this uh, we're, we just finished a final, and um, and some of the guys are dropping out, and I told them, and I and I said to the guys, I said I said guys, you got to stay in the game, you got to stay involved in this. This program that we're doing is really good, and it and it will pay off big time. You've got to stay in the game. And I said, but some of you think that you're calling your own shots. And then I paused and I looked at him and I said, and you're here because you called your own shots and it got you in trouble. I'm here to tell you, being faithfully obedient to the Lord leads to great things. And by the way, I'm not talking about health and wealth and all that kind of stuff. What I'm talking about is the fact that we acknowledge his presence, that he carries us through. Faithful obedience. 
A definition of that is this, and you can write it down. It's not going to come up on the screen. Faithful obedience is this, a thousand tiny steps in the same direction. It's little by little by little. It's not flashy. It's not going to sell any t-shirts. But it is what we need. And so God lays this out and he says, be faithfully obedient. And then he says this in verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. You can count on two things to drain your life. One of those is this, fear. One of those items that drains the life out of us is fear. Think about it. Every single time that we allow fear to dictate our lives, we end up missing out so often. We miss out on an opportunity for a promotion because we're afraid that we won't be able to do the job perfectly. So what do we do? We don't apply for it. Perhaps you're a junior high or high school student here this morning. You're a junior high or high school guy, and there's some girl that you really like a lot. You liked her for a long time. But you won't tell her this because you're afraid you're going to be rejected. Trust me, you're looking at a person right now who asked six different girls to go to prom, and they all said, not a chance. (laughs) Oh, for six. It's not something I take pride in. But, and then the next year I only asked one. She said, no, I never went to prom. Let's let's, Let's have a moment of silence. But, no, I'm not looking for that. Not, no. But, but here's my point. When we allow fear to dictate, it prevents us from moving. At the vision dinner held last week, I told you this, that the leadership, the elders and I, believe that God is leading us in 2020 to add a worship service. We don't know the timing or anything like that, but we believe that God's moving us in that direction because there are opportunities out there that people need to hear about Jesus Christ. And so so we're praying through this, but yet every time I think about adding a worship service and it won't and we can we're pretty much in agreement on this, it's not going to be on a Sunday morning. But we believe that God wants to provide this opportunity for people to to get involved. And every time I think about this, I have all these different questions. I have all these different fears that build up. The first is this, when are we going to hold the service? Second is this, will it be the right time to do it then? What about the impact that it will have on Sunday mornings here? Will we have enough people to launch the service? How will it affect the community we're building here at FBC Salinas? All these words, all these concepts, all these fears are right there in the midst of it. But we believe wholeheartedly that God is leading us in this direction. And we're praying and we're asking you to come alongside us to pray about this. Because there are plenty of people that want to know about Jesus Christ. They simply don't know about it right now. Perhaps fear has hit you in a different way. Where you have a dear friend who's struggling through life right now in a variety of ways. They're losing hope, and yet you're afraid to tell them about the hope, the love, the peace that Jesus Christ can provide. And here's why. You're afraid to tell them because you're afraid you'll hurt their feelings. We have the hope. We have the love. We have the joy of Christ. We have the peace of Christ. And yet we're afraid to share that great news. 
for fear of hurting a person's feelings. Fear paralyzes us in so many ways. But yet when we're freed from fear, we can do amazing things. Since moving here in 2016, I find myself more and more intrigued about the Golden Gate Bridge. That thing's phenomenal. My family and I, we've, we've walked across it numerous times. And every single time I walk across it, number one, I get a little freaked out because, wow, you're really up there. And then I have these other thoughts that go through my mind. But, I, but I'm become, I've become more and more in, in, intrigued at the construction of this thing. So I was reading this story. At the, at the time of the, it was completed in 1937, the Golden Gate Bridge was the longest suspension bridge in the world. During the first phase of the project, during the first phase of the project, 23 men fell to their death. 23 men fell to their death. They were very few, there were very few safety devices and things seemed to be going from bad to worse. So when they were halfway completed with the bridge, they decided to take another look and make some changes. That's good. And here's what they did. They, reor- they reorganized. And they built the largest net ever made and attached it under the area where the men were working. The question is, was it worth making the net? And the amount of time it took to make that net. Was it worth the cost? The conclusion is this. Ask the ten men who ended up falling into that net while they were working. And they were, they were able to live. And here's the other thing that happened. The project, the Golden Gate Bridge, was completed more quickly because men, well, the, the construction workers no longer had any fear of falling to their death. When you remove fear, you get to live. When you remove fear, and notice what he says here, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So fear sucks the life out of us. Discouragement sucks the life out of us. All of us have read Charlie Brown. We've all read the Peanuts and, and, and all that. And Charlie comes up to, to Lucy one day and he says this, Nobody likes me, Lucy. Everybody hates my guts. Do you see that plane up there, Lucy? It's a plane full of people going somewhere else. That's what I'd like to do. I'd like to go somewhere else. Somewhere where nobody knows me. Then with new people, I could get a fresh start. Do you think that's what I ought to do, Lucy? Go get a fresh start with new people who don't know me? And Lucy replies with this. Forget it, Charlie Brown. Forget it. Once the new people get to know you, you'll be right back where you are right now. Discouragement. It happens. This world is full of Lucy's. This world has so many Lucy's in it that there are all types of ideas and things that God has said, I want you to move forward with this, but there are all types of Lucy's out there that all of a sudden, once the idea is presented or once the, once, the, once, once the motivation begins to set in and God says, let's get this thing going, and you share that, all of a sudden the Lucy's come along and say, that's a stupid idea. For every great idea, there are a bunch of Lucy's. There just are. And right now in your life, you've had great ideas. 
You've had perhaps even some compulsion to follow after God and you've taken some steps and you've been shot down by the Lucys. And you stopped. You stopped. But here's what's comforting. Here's what's comforting. Notice what he says. Have I not commanded you? Before we move on, before I, for, I need to tell you this before I forget. It's a command, not a suggestion. To be strong and courageous. It's a commandment. God doesn't simply say, hey, I have an idea. Maybe you ought to think about this. He commands it. The reason why he commands it is because, it because this, because he knows how real fear is. He knows how real discouragement is. He knows that it's there, and yet he commands us to go on. The number one commandment in the Bible is do not be afraid. Why? Because fear is so prevalent. And so he tells this to Joshua, and Joshua realizes what's going on. And then Joshua responds. I love this. Joshua doesn't sit around. Joshua responds. Look at verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. He says, get ready. We're moving. And then he goes on to this whole thing, and we don't have time to go over this right now, but, but he goes over this whole thing from verses 12 down to 15, talking about, talking to the Reubenites and, the, and these other individuals who have their land already, and they could simply say, hey, we're good. You guys are on your own. But what Joshua points to is this, is that promises count. Look at what he says here. He says, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of Yahweh, gave you after he said, Yahweh, your God, will give you rest by giving you this land. You guys now have the land. You guys now have the land. It's east of the Jordan. You guys now have it. But notice what it goes on. It goes on and he says, you are to help the people as they go forward. You are to get involved with them. Because God has been faithful to you, you now get to be faithful in the process of all this. Throughout Joshua, I want to encourage you to prepare yourself to see how many promises God fulfills. And God not only makes promises, he always keeps his promises. He never, he's, he's undefeated. He's undefeated. For eternity, he's been undefeated. And here's what's bothersome. Here's what's bothersome. Survey after survey shows a disturbing trend that should awaken every single one of us who claims to be a Christ follower. And it's this. When it comes to commitments and honoring promises, those who proclaim to be Christ followers are no different in holding on to them and fulfilling them than those who are not Christ followers. There is no difference But yet we have and we claim to follow this one true God, this Jesus Christ who has never, ever broken a promise. And we say we're going to follow him. And yet what do we do? Apparently we do something that's just like everybody else. We don't fulfill him. It's one thing to make a promise. It's another thing to fulfill that promise. And what happens as we fulfill the promise, notice what happens here. It says this, latter part of verse 15, it says, it says this, 
uh, he is until Yahweh gives them rest as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land Yahweh your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your land, which Moses, the servant of Yahweh, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. God gives rest. Sometimes we make promises, and it's going to cost us an awful lot. But yet in the process of fulfilling those promises, what ends up happening? God comes alongside and he says, I'm going to take care of you. You've got the rest. Some of you in this room are exhausted. I'm here to tell you today, know this, that the God who keeps all promises, promises to give you rest. He will come alongside you. He will take care of you. And then we come to verse 16. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just, and I love this line, just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. I read that. I'm going, let's back that up, shall we? You fully obeyed Moses? Really? You guys were out of the wilderness for about 40 years or 40 days, I'm sorry, and you're already complaining about the food. You're already complaining about this. You're already complaining about that. I fixated on that, and here's what hit me. Here's what hit me. God says to the people, he says, you're not entering my land. And the reason why is because you're not obeying me. But here's Here's who's talking here. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. It's the children of those parents saying, we obeyed Moses. I want you to think about that. They're the ones that moved in. They're the ones that said, we're seeing what mom and dad is doing, and it is not a good thing. We're paying attention to what God's doing through Moses. One of the prayers that I have for my daughters is this, is that they will be better Christ followers than I could ever be. As a parent, your number one priority should be this. I want my children to know Jesus better than I do. Miriam Parks right now is doing a parenting class. And she's providing information, and not just information, she's providing practical ways to be a godly, Christ-following parent. And I encourage you to go to that class. Because our concern is, yes, it needs to be for us, but our concern needs to be, we need better Christ-following children than we ever could be. You see what's going on in the world. We need strong Christ-following children, strong Christ-following young adults. We need them because here's why. Jesus Christ is not done doing work. So those that work with children, encourage them. Those that are in the midst of this, of, 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 of shaping young people's lives, encourage them. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Some of you have great-grandchildren. Pray that they'll encounter Jesus Christ in a deeper, more significant way than you ever could. 
Because this is what's going on here. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will obey you. That's what we desire. That's what we desire. That's what we need. And that means sacrifice. It means obedience. It means not being afraid. It means not being discouraged. It means giving your all. A number of years ago, a young girl was at Stanford Hospital by the name of Lisa. She had a rare disease that was taking her life away from her. And if they didn't figure out what to do, it was going to be all over for her. And they noticed this, that her brother had a similar disease earlier, but he had survived. And he had developed all the antibodies to combat the disease, and he was only five years old. So the doctor explained the situation to this little boy, and he said, he said to him, listen, your sister will die if we don't give her a transfusion, and your blood has the antibodies we need to give your sister life. And so the five-year-old looked at the doctor and said, I'll do it if it will help my sister Lisa live. And so they began the transfusion. And as the transfusion progressed, the little boy smiling. And as he watched the blood come out of him and go into his sister, he kept smiling. And then after a few moments, he got incredibly pale. Got incredibly pale. And the paler he got, the more red his, the cheeks of his sister were, was getting. It was working already. And as he grew incredibly pale, that smile that was on his face vanished. And the doctor looked at him and it said, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he looked up at the daughter, doctor and he said these words that shook the entire room where this was going on. And he said this, will I start to die right away? He was a five-year-old. He misunderstood what the doctor was telling him about this transfusion. And he believed by, that by giving his blood to his sister that he was going to get rid of all his blood and he was going to be the one who died. A little five-year-old. Scared. Perhaps discouraged. But a little five-year-old said, I'll do it if it will help my sister live. You see, all of us go through stuff in lives that in our lives that cause us great concern. All of us are presented opportunities. And if we allow fear and discouragement to win the game, we don't get involved. The battle happens all the time. All of us are in a battle. Joshua was about ready to go into battle with these people. And we'll talk about that in the next few weeks. Listen to these words out of Mark chapter 6. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. This is a bunch of fishermen that have seen a whole lot of stuff. 
These guys are now shaking in their boots. And Jesus' immediate, re- these words, his immediate word, words are these. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. The battle happens for all of us. The storms happen for all of us. The storms were building for Joshua as he was, as he was filling the shoes of Moses. And the storms were, were, were building for the people as they're getting ready to go into the land. The storms build in our lives all the time. And yet we have one that comes alongside of us and he is there to pull us through. We don't live in some vacuum where battles don't happen. We live in a real world with real battles that involve us battling fear, that involve us battling discouragement. And Jesus Christ says, don't be afraid. It is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus Christ accomplished what no one else could. Jesus Christ went where no one else would go. Jesus Christ never wavers. He has no fear. He has great courage. And he says, don't be afraid. It is I. I'm with you. Unlike the young boy from the story that I shared just a few moments ago, who who did this amazingly courageous act to help his sister, thinking that he was going to die, and and then being told, you're not going to die, you're going to be okay. Unlike that little boy, Jesus Christ not only knew he was going to die, he went and died. And then he rose from the dead. Because he went through it all. So that we, as we go through life, have someone who can walk with us through it. We need courageous hope. And courage counts. Courage to turn to Jesus and say, I can't do this without you. Will you help me now? I invite you this morning to count on Jesus' courage to pull you through this life. I invite you to do that. I invite you to experience that, that, that amazing love that Christ has for us. And if you have questions about this, please hang out over here after the service is over and we will we'll be more than happy to answer those questions. We'll be more than happy to pray with you. Because Jesus Christ carries us through. Jesus Christ never lets us down. We are commanded to be strong and not be afraid. May that truth resonate in all of our lives. And may we live that out every day of our lives. Father, we pray now, as we go through life, as we experience a variety of things, we confess to you that we oftentimes get afraid. We confess to you that oftentimes we get discouraged. And we forget to meditate on you and all that you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Father, we would ask that you would Open us up and help us realize how much we need you. And as you open us up and as we realize how much we need you, that you would then walk us through the battles that happen in life. 
battles that seek to paralyze us, battles that seek to oppress us. And may you reign freely in our lives to give us the life that we so desperately desire, that we so desperately need. And Lord, for those in this room right now who don't know you, that are going through life on their own, and fear continues to build, and discouragement continues to build, and they don't know where to turn, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that they turn to you, the one who reaches into the storm and says, do not be afraid, I have you. Lord, would you do that? And guide each and every one of us, Lord. Help us to be people that follow you, that serve you, no matter what our title is. And that in all of these things, you would receive all praise and glory and thanks. It's in your holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. So the children are going to be coming in here momentarily to join us as we celebrate communion. And we do this on the first Sunday of every month. And and as we do this, we remember what He experienced for us. He went and He died on a uh, died on a cross. And in the process, that's awesome. That is really, I'm so pumped that they're coming in. Um, but He died on a cross for us. And in the process of Him dying on a cross for us, He knew what we needed. And He did what we needed Him to do. And so on the first Sunday of every month, we remember what He did for us. We take bread, we eat it, we take a little bit of this, a little bit of juice, and we remember that it was His blood that was shed. And it's for those of us who, are placed, who have placed our trust in Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're not a member here, but you're a Christ-following person. We invite you to participate in this with us. But this is for Christ-following people to remember what He's done for us. And if you're not a Christ follower, we invite you to reflect on what's going on in your life and what Jesus Christ has done for you. And perhaps at this moment is where you say, I need to place my trust in this one, this one Jesus Christ. And so we invite you to do that. I want to invite these individuals to come up and and, uh, as as they come, we're going to sing a couple songs. Well, we're going to sing one song a couple times, all right?